Samson Kambali, my goodness, you are such an overachiever. The work you do is incredible. You are an author, an artist, a professor of fine art from Malawi, currently in Oxford in the UK. Welcome to Five Drive. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Your story Mm -hmm. fascinates me so much because I'm like, look at you. The world is paying attention to your art, your work, and basically everything you do. And I'm curious, you know, when you were a young boy in Malawi, what was influencing you to get into the art space? Um, Well, my father kept a lot of books and I I, I use... um, I, you know, he didn't keep any children's books, right? My father was, was a medical officer in Malawi and he was posted up and down the country. So uh, what interested me in these books were paintings. Like I remember looking at paintings on Vincent van Gogh. And, uh, and then one time when I was at school, we were learning how to read clock faces and uh, my friends used coins. Me, uh, I just decided to use freehand and my teacher was fine with but my friends couldn't use free hand. So I thought, wow, I have a stable hand. And I started drawing. From then on, I just wanted to become an artist. Yeah. So for in an arithmetic class, that's when I decided to be an artist, learning how to read, to read clock faces. Yeah. That I is could so draw my discipline. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. So you were the kid who, a kid who got the pen license in grade one, while all of us had to use pencils. You were already using a pen in grade one. <laughs> yeah, well, but my friends had to use a coin and, uh, yeah, pencils. I don't know. Right? To, to, you know, you, you have to draw it. To, to draw a clock face, you have to use mm. a coin. But I didn't need a coin. I just used freehand, and, and my circles were pretty decent. So... And the teacher commented on that. How can you do a circle like that without a coin? I was like, well, I just do it. Then from there, I started drawing other things. Became an artist. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, what was the point in your adult life where you realized, hold on, I think the world and the country I am in right now uh, is starting to pay attention to the work I am doing as an artist? Um. I think that was, uh, you know, as a child, I used, we used to have what's called Moni Magazine, and I submitted my drawings to this national magazine, you know, and I got selected. I, I remember publishing, maybe I was eight or nine, I published one of my drawings in the paper. So that encouraged me. And then I went to Kams Academy, the so-called Notorious Seaton of Africa, <laughs> <laughs> where I studied art there for GCSEs and uh levels. Then I went to university. I did more art. Uh, I did fine art and ethnomusicology. I was playing music by then as well. And I double majored in uh, both departments. Wanted to be an uh, associate lecturer, both in the music department and fine art. I opted to become an artist. Um, uh, and yes, then I went to actually uh, went to Amsterdam at the Tammy Miele Foundation. It's a South African foundation based on a South African artist, uh, Tammy Miele. And, and there I started painting and uh, my mentor is Marlene Duma, the great South African painter Marlene Duma. And uh, Marlene Duma was showing me how to paint, but then I had this work of art I had made before living for, for, for Europe, which is uh, all about a football plastered in pages of the Bible, um, which stopped me painting. 
uh, and CDI is how I was in contact with people with this work of art. Both atheists and Christians liked this work I had in my hand. It was just a food, simply a football plus certain pages of the Bible. The, page, the Bible pages are soft, so if you put them around oh. the football, they really just stick smoothly, and this ball shining in my hand. And everywhere I went, people wanted to be in conversation with me. So Amarin Dumas was like, oh, you should go more the conceptual route. You know, yeah, so around then, this is around 2000 now, and that's when I realized that, uh, yeah, okay, I think it's possible to become an international artist here. Yeah. That is so incredible. And I love that even though, you know, you're getting all this recognition and people are paying attention to the work, you did not stop with your education. I mean, you went on and you got your master's um, in fine art at the Chelsea College of Fine Art. And you went on, um, or rather at Nottingham Trent University, that's where you got your master's. And at the Chelsea College of Art and Design, that's where you got your PhD. And I'm looking at how much you just kept going, you know, with your work and also your education. And do you think you would be where you are as an artist and as an academic person if you had decided to stay on in Malawi? I just wanted to become an artist. In fact, after A-levels, I didn't want to go to university. I went to South Africa, but I ran out of money within three months because I was staying in an expensive hotel. I was a stupid (laughs) 19-year-old. I asked my mother that I don't want to go to university. Give me all the money. I'll just go to South Africa and be an artist. So my mother gave me all the money for the university. And I just spent it all in a hotel over three months. And then I phoned her again as I ran out of money. So my mother said, okay, come back to Malawi then. Then I went back to Malawi and she sent me to university. (laughs) Listen, I just did all this to avoid getting a job. I was was in school. I had no ambition whatsoever. You know, I did a PhD just to avoid getting a job, you know? Yeah. Wow, I love how casually you say that oh, I just did a PhD just so I could get a job Yet you're a whole doctor of fine art And you're a professor right now <laughs> Yeah, there's five years of no work, not working Five years of just reading books <laughs> Good for me That's perfect uh, you No, know, when I finished my PhD I was so sad I was like, now I have to get a job so, <laughs> Speaking of the jobs you went after, you went. I mean it. I'm such a slacker. Don't do like me. (laughs) Listen, I like to be an artist. I like to be an artist. But the funny thing is that I like to be an artist. That's my ambition. I know it's strange, right? People maybe are artists to get somewhere. For me, my ambition is to be an artist. And sometimes to stay on that same spot I had worked so hard, you know, (laughs) just to be an artist. You've given me new ambitions in life. I'm just going to be like, you know what? Maybe I should just go into studying full-time because I'm studying part-time right now. And I'm like, why am I doing this? I'm still trying to work so hard. <laughs> you can just sit in cafes, try to get a scholarship like I did for my PhD. I just sat in cafes with books, watch the world go by. And uh, actually, I published some books. Um, and uh, and uh, But because I, I like art, things happen to me. And one time I went to Oxford to give a talk on my work and uh, the head of school then gave me a heads up. There's a professorship coming up. You should apply. I was like, me? She <laughs> said, you? Whoa. This is Oxford, man. She said, yeah, you apply. Then I looked at my CV. I was like, actually, I've done enough slacking. I've done a lot of shows and I've even published books and I have a PhD. And Because even my PhD took me then to Yale for a year. Then it took me to Smithsonian for another year, then San Francisco. 
But I just thought, wow, this is great. People are just, you know, I'm just reading my books, writing, writing stuff, doing my shows. I had been discovered by South African artists, mm-hmm. uh, a gallery by then, Stevenson. And um, so I was showing my work around international. I was signed even up during my PhD. Um, the great uh, curator, Okui Enwenzo, came across my work. And actually, I met Okui in New York when I was at Yale doing my fellowship. And he was impressed that I was studying. More than that, I was making art. He was impressed that I was at Yale doing research and uh, invited me to go with my films to Venice and he gave me three projects there. So it picked up from there. And then at Venice, I was signed by three more galleries. Then not only was I just making art, but also making a living from it. And then on top of that, uh, I was invited to to teach at Oxford. And wow, well, my only ambition was to be an artist. But look, I can do other things too. I can even make money out of it. I can even teach out of it. Oh, great. I don't mind. But yes, my real ambition is to be a good artist. You know, I try to. Yeah. I, lo- I love how you say, oh, my real ambition is just to be a good artist uh, and how humbly you speak. And so casually you speak about it because you have done something that is incredibly like just one of the greatest things that we've ever seen from artists, especially, you know, somebody from the African yeah. continent is that <laughs> your statue, your a body of work titled Antelope has been placed at the fourth plinth in London's Trafalgar Square. And we know this is a huge tourist destination and there's some beautiful artwork that we get to see there. And as of this month, for the next year and a bit, we get to see your work where you basically pay homage to an important figure in Malawi's history, um, John Chilembwe. And mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, this this is incredible. How on earth does somebody even get their work to be accepted for the fourth plinth? Because uh, you were literally short, like there were quite a few, a few of you shortlisted and they were like, you know what? We are going with Samson Kambalu's work. Yes. Um, the whole process took three years. You know, it starts with the long list. You don't apply when you're making a, a name in the art world, they approach you, you know, so they, they throw their niche wide around the world and they invite artists on the long list. And we, and then the, that long list then is reduced to six. They were shown at the National Gallery, then from the six, they chose two. Uh, to go for me in 2022 to 2024, there's another artist who goes from 2024 to 2026. So yeah, it was a grueling three-year process to come out of that. You ha- you not only have to have a good idea, but you have to have a sense of history, where things are going. And uh, I proposed uh, the Malawian Pan-Africanist when I was approached. At the time, I had moved to Oxford and uh, I was researching in a colonial archive, the Western Library, and I came across this Malawian hero, John Chinembu, who is known in Malawi as a figure of Malawian modernity, as a Malawi uh, uh, figure of Malawian nationalism. He was the first Malawian to stand up against colonial injustices beyond tribal lines, you know. And he led an uprising in 2015, uh, in 1915, where he was killed. Uh, he was basically protesting against the colonial injustices, you know, the the misuse of African soldiers, you know, the, the fight for the British Empire around the world, they don't get paid, you know, the family is compensated. The um, but one of the uh, policies that stands out in this photograph I found was that he was standing there with a friend wearing a hat, and they used to think, what's a big deal? This guy is just standing next to a white man, and they both these men look like it's a big deal. 
Mm. But when I did dug up more, I found that actually around then it was illegal for, or it was uh, forbidden for Africans to wear a hat in front of white people. You would get shot actually because you had to pass the white person and then you had to walk for 500 meters and put your hat on. If you didn't, the white person had the right to shoot you, to call the police on you, all kinds of things. A lot of uh, careers of politicians in Malawi started by the incidents of the hat. For instance, wow. the founder of the, the party that led Malawi into independence, Malawi Congress Party, Masako Shipembele, joined politics when as a young man he was riding a bicycle past a, a white man and he didn't take off his hat, obviously. He's got his hands on his bicycle so he cannot yeah, take a hat yes, but they yeah. hunted him down and beat him up so he decided to join politics and fight injustices so anyway he there's Chile and we're standing there with his friend uh, in this photograph I found uh, basically he had opened a church in uh, 2014 and he had invited his white friend who was also a minister like him John Chile had studied in America and had seen injustices meted out to black people in America, and he had come mm-hmm. home with some sponsorship from black churches, and he used that money to build a magnificent church to rival that of the white missionaries. And of course, they didn't like that, because white it was it was forbidden for black people to own a mission. And uh, but he did, and he took this photograph as an act of defiance and distributed it amongst his followers to say, "Look, you can wear a hat before a white person because you are." Yeah equal to a white person. Um, so the, this photographer found was actually an act of defiance and he was killed for it months later. Uh, so I decided when, the, so when the mayor's office got in touch with me, I, I, it, I didn't have any other choice. I had the photograph on my phone as a screensaver. And I said, these two men are going to go on the plinth. But I didn't know how. I just knew that these four men wearing hearts in defiance, one white, one black, have to go on the plinth. Yeah. But then one day, days later, because I had to translate this photograph into sculpture. Days later, I just saw Chilembe rise, you know. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I was just told around 4 a.m. that I have to put these two men on this plinth, but Chilembe has to be larger than life. Mm-hmm. He has to. And lo- looking back, I realized that actually maybe I'm playing on his name. You know, the name John Chilembe means antelope. So maybe, oh. and, 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 yes, the fourth place is for a horse. So Chilembe rises almost like the size of an antelope and Chole remains the size of a rider of a horse, you know, so. Um, but what inspired this is that because Chilembe is wearing his hat sideways, that's why it looks like antlers. Because I used to think, what's making this uh, photograph more serious? And I was looking for the kind of hat that he's wearing. I discovered that actually he's just wearing a only hat turned sideways, so it looks bigger than it is. Mm-hmm. Is affecting antlers and antelopes. Antlers. Now, Chilembe is not just alluding to the antelope of the bush, but also the Chewa principal mask, Chilembe, which is an antelope. We, we, uh, Chilembe is a Chewa like me, and we are matrimonial. Uh, yeah. And our principal mask, our society is built around masking, Nyao masking, is built around Kasia Malino, which is a womb. Disguised mm-hmm. as an antelope. So what's happening there on the on the uh, uh, plinth is mysterious. Yeah, there, there, there's, a, there's big one, big man there, and another small. It's alluding to the womb, and uh, yeah. So because that's, that's, that's so, I like the fact that Chilembe was proposing that we move into modernity beyond tribal lines, but he still took aspects of his uh, mm-hmm. African heritage with him. 
wearing a suit, it affects something very exotic, which is this mask disguised as an antelope, which is really the heart of uh, the Chewa Malawi identity. Yeah. Mm. This is so beautiful and I could keep talking to you forever about your work which we get to see on Trafalgar Square and I know that a lot of South Africans and a lot of Africans are going to travel very soon with the borders being open and get to see your work, this incredible artist from Malawi currently in the UK. So I must ask you one more question before we go is... uh, you know, this moment, your work, Antelope, is a very big moment for art, but also African artists. What do you yeah. think that your work says to the world about where African artists are at right now? Yeah, well, since we are on Trafalgar Square, the heart of the British Empire, I think that's where it's at. <laughs> Can we say that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, um, I think that Chilembo is not only pro- with his hat on Tafaga Square, is not only addressing contemporary issues such as, such as Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We, you know, the, the heart is a metaphor for so many things. Who gets to wear a heart? Those questions we still have. And, and uh, yeah, we are leading on those questions of uh, justice, equality, love, self-sacrifice. But also Chilembo is proposing a radical economy, that economy of the gift. We get... We get a lot of stick for this in Southern Africa. They call us underdevelopment. Yeah. But I think that Southern Africa is the hardest place for capitalism to crack because the philosophies that we have there have lasted a hundred years. So we'll yeah. see how capitalism deals with, deals with them. But we are proposing right in the heart of our empire, a radical economy, that of, our, that of the gift, you know? So, so, so the people are looking for answers of the environment, uh, of, of, of uh, how do we go on? Is another world possible? Well, we Africans, I think that people have a lot to learn to, to Africa. The mm-hmm. philosophies that we've developed in that part of the world were successful hundreds of years now. Um, yes, I think that. I hope, I also hope that uh, uh, people can begin to make account of what's called the African Western. You know, we know a lot about colonialism in, in America, in Australia, New Zealand, Southern, you know, the British Empire hasn't started making account of its. Uh, uh, of its uh, empire in Southern Africa. I hope that Chilembe opens the door to the many magnificent stories that we have of African history, of African modernity. I, I hope I get to make a film maybe of John Chilembe. You know, can you think Clement Kadali in South Africa, all these magnificent stories that, that, way, that happened in Africa to get us where we are now? They haven't been told yet. I hope this sculpture can open the door to, to, to this, uh, 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 yeah, to the wealth of Southern Africa. Yeah, that, to, to what Southern Africa has has to contribute contribute to, to the world. Yeah, moving forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because of you and your incredible work, Antelope, in honor of John Chilembwe and Malawi's history, sitting right now in London on Trafalgar Square, we will forever remember our African history and we will honor it and we will learn more about it because of you. Samson Kambalu, an incredible author, artist, and by accident, a professor of fine arts. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today on the Africa Update. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Catch up from some of the best moments from the 5 Drive team by going to 5FM's Catch Up page on the 5FM app or 5FM.co.za.